Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio land. Welcome to Off the Shelf this morning. And this is the first Saturday in February, so happy February the 2nd. And Phil saw his, what is he, saw his shadow or he didn't see it. They said early spring. So happy Groundhog Day to you and Everybody getting ready for the Super Bowl in Atlanta for the football fans and just those who use it as a wonderful time to hang out with family and friends. So there's a lot going on this weekend. We're waiting on our uh, special guest this morning to join us. Did connect with um, over the weekend, so they're aware of it, but I never know what's coming up um, in people's lives. So we're going to keep rocking and moving forward, and to begin, going to leave this positive thought in with you, never, never, never give up, never, never, never give up, and that's Winston Churchill, and he faced some long odds, and you thinking during the World War II time, so um, he would he would know, never, never, never give up, and recently, uh, Heron's birthday, a Heron of mine's birthday, Harriet Tubman, was re- recently had her birthday, and she's the one who also knows the importance of never, never giving up. Going away for Ms. Dreisey, who is our special guest this morning, to join us. I will send her an email. I want to send this tip out to you guys. You never know what's coming, going to happen from day to day. Somebody, all kinds of things. You have technical issues. You could be on your way somewhere, and dialing into the show, and something happened. I had a guest who was on her way to a conference one time and she had a flat tire. So I never want to assume uh, that the guests, you know, I don't know what's going on in their life. But I want to thank you again for being here at Off the Shelf this Saturday morning. We're going to give you a great show. Whether the guests come, rise or not, we know we, we want her to be here this morning. But I want to begin by asking you how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you one of those people who either likes to figure out who done it or who you are very good at it? You read a, a mystery book. Remember how huge Agatha Christie was, and now you see her, her books being made into major motion pictures. Um, uh, I remember I saw the the, Orient, the train on the Orient Express that was so, so good, and she wrote that story so you would not know who did it unless you kept reading and reading and reading, and then eventually you would say, hmm, I know I did, almost near the end of the movie, figuring out exactly what happened. But if you love mysteries, and I think even with romance stories that we love, we love a mystery. We want to know how that romance story is going to turn out, uh, which couple is going to stay together, and what's going to happen uh, to them. And I'm I'm checking in with our special guest, sending her a reminder, even as I'm continuing to go forward with the show. So in your life, never, never, never give up. Always be prepared to just keep moving. Um, so, but if you love mystery, if you if you love mystery, I do believe you'll love love pour over me. You like to figure things out before they happen. You wanna you wanna say. I know what who, who did what before the author reveals it to you. I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. But what else is in Love Pour Over Me besides mystery? And the mystery, I will tell you, it kicks off early in the book, 
probably right around the first of chapter two. Uh, chapter one, you're going to get to introduce to Raymond, who's the main character, Raymond Clark, and me and his father, and they have a very complicated relationship, which you're going to see uh, it's going to be weaved through the entire story because we know our parents impact us. And Raymond's father has untreated alcoholism. They don't really even know as much about the disease at the time that he's raising Raymond and he raises him as a single parent. I mean, he's there for his son, so that's a loving thing to do, but the alcoholism takes a a very, very hard effect on him and on Raymond. So that's early in the book, that introduction. But then uh, Raymond goes away, he leaves home, and it's what happens when he goes where he, he heads to next. He he he. It becomes he he comes involved in a murder mystery. It's not something that was on docket for him certainly, but it's something that, like many things in our lives, it's just something that happens, and so he has to deal deal with it. The shock of just leaving home, and now he's in new territory, and he's he's he becomes involved in something that it could could haunt him for the rest of his life. So that that murder mystery it also weaves. Through this, through love for over me, and you, you as the reader get to try to figure out who did it and how involved was Raymond. So that's in there. Then there's also romance, Raymond and Brenda. And when you think of soulmates, I've heard that soulmates are people who the relationship may just come very easily for you, or soulmates could be people who try you, and I mean they try you to the max. So they help you to grow, they help you to learn, they help you to awaken. It's not this. Uh, easy, easy, easy relationship can be very challenging, and and that could be a soulmate as well. Although most of us think a soulmate is the one, no struggle, no no strife, just smooth as as a flowing water in a very gentle creek. That's what most of us think of of soulmates as. But then we also know that we all come with baggage. So how could that relationship even be possible? Or is a soulmate somebody we belong with are going to help us to grow and awaken, and they they and us will never, never, never give up on each other? Could that be a soulmate? No, no domestic violence, no abuse. Those relationships get out of them. Those are those are ill matched. Nobody deserves to be abused or mistreated. But we, we all relationships do have their ups and their downs. So, again, is that a soulmate, somebody you're meant to be with? They're going to help you to awaken. They're going to help you to advance and, and improve, to awaken to more what the, uh, the Lord created us to be. And they'll never, 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 will never, never, never give up on each other. Well, that's all in love for over me. The, and, and these are like the key factors in the book. Raymond and Brenda, they meet at college. They are really soulmates. They really, really are. But their relationship is what they go through is complicated. Like if you ever read uh, Nicholas Sparks' The Notebook, his novel, which was turned into a major motion picture, it's kind of at the beginning of that, but it goes on longer. So, But they were soulmates. They were meant to be together. So if you, if you value that and you get to enjoy it for a, a long time, following them through years of their life, but also a parent, you know, your your foundation, your family relationships, uh, Raymond and his father Malcolm, if you value that and, and you want to learn even more about your own relationship with your parents and how that impacts you, then, of course, there's that murder mystery. And the fourth key element is 
the, uh, there's a friendship. Raymond has a bond with him and four other guys he meets when he goes to college, and it's a rare bond. So if, if again, you value those things, I encourage you to get a copy of Love for Over Me. And it's in ebook format, and it's also in print. You can get a, a print copy, and it's at Amazon.com, Walmart, uh, ebookit.com carries it. You can order it through our website at Chistel, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. You can get it through our website, and uh, the orders there are taken via PayPal. So there are several different ways you can get Love Pull for Me again just through the um, the Amazon app, if you want to download that, you can get Love Pull for Me that way. E- via ebook, it's only about $3. And then uh, it's uh, Barnes & Noble also carries it, so you can get it there as well. And I'm still waiting for our guests uh, to arrive. And, and I, again, connected with our guests several times from Friday through the weekend. Not sure uh, what what's going on. And just hoping and praying that all is well with our guests. But I thank you for being here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. And as I keep moving forward, I hope this inspires you that when different things come up in your life that you didn't expect or maybe you didn't even want those things to occur, uh, that you just keep going forward. Never, never, never give up and keep going forward. I'm going to give you a good show here at Off the Shelf no matter what. Uh, and, again, I hope and encourage you to go out and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. If you don't see it on the shelves, just if you want to get it through the library or however you want to get it, all you have to do is ask the clerk, if you don't see it, to order you a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get a copy for you because it's carried by Ingram Books, which is one of the largest book distributors in the world. But I'm actually now, and I hadn't planned on doing this, I'm actually going to read uh, some excerpts from uh, Love Pour Over Me so you get to learn even more about the book. And, again, this wasn't by design at at all. And as soon as our special guest uh, joins us, I I will connect our guest to the show. So I'm going to begin here with Chapter 1 of Love Pour Over Me uh, with the reading, and it starts, It was Friday afternoon. June 14th, 1984, and we just had another event come up. I, I just realized there's all over the social media about the Virginia governor. Talk about 1984, a picture that he took uh, back in 1984. So we're going back, way back uh, uh, at the time. I mean, I was around in 1984. It didn't seem that long ago, but... We're talking over 30 years now. So it was Friday afternoon, June 15, 1984. Raymond Clark lay across his bed. An empty bowl of popcorn was on the floor. Snacking did little to ease his excitement. In less than three hours, his year-round efforts to prove himself deserving of unwavering acclaim would be validated in front of hundreds of his classmates. Tonight was his high school graduation, the day he had dreamed about for weeks. He knew his grades were high enough to earn him academic honors, even more than his grades were his athletic achievements. He hadn't been beaten in a track race in three years. He won the state half mile and mile runs for the last six years since he was in middle school. People would cheer wildly for him tonight. 
The television was turned up loud. Carl Lewis threatens to break Bob Beeman's historic long jump record at the Olympic trials in Los Angeles this weekend, an ESPN sportscaster announced. Beeman's record has stood for 16 years. Lewis, Raymond got so caught up in the mention of the upcoming Olympic Games that he didn't hear the front door open. Ray, his father Malcolm shouted as soon as he entered the house. What? Raymond leaped off his bed and hurried into the living room. Dad, what? Boy, if you don't get your junk. Raymond watched his father wave his hand over the sofa, the place where he'd grown his, thrown his sports bag as soon as he got home from graduation practice at school. Get this sports crap up, Malcolm growled. growled. Silence filled the house. Raymond grabbed his sports bag, carried it into his bedroom, and tossed it across his bed. His father exited the living room and entered the kitchen like a dark shadow, frustrations from spending 10 hours working at a drab automobile plant where he drilled leather seats into one Ford Mustang after another while his line line supervisor stood at his shoulder and barked, Focus, Malcolm, get your production up. Followed him there. It was in the furrow of his brow and in the pinch of his lip. Ray! Braveman cursed beneath his breath before he left his bedroom and hurried into the living room. Seconds later, he stood in the kitchen's open doorway. He watched his father toss an envelope on the table. Ladder from Baker came in the mail. Something about you getting some awards when he reached to the center of the kitchen table for a bottle of steel fervor. He stopped hiding the alcohol when Raymond turned five. The alcohol looked like liquid gold. Felt that way to Malcolm, too. You graduate tonight. Malcolm took a long swig of the whiskey and squinted against the burn. He tried to laugh but only coughed up spleen. You be, you're probably the only kid in the whole school who got a ladder like this. Everybody up at Baker knows nobody cares about you. Letter said they thought I'd want to let all your relatives know you're getting some awards so they'd come out and support you. Again, Malcolm worked at laughter but instead coughed a dry, scratchy cough that went long and raw through his throat. We both know ain't nobody going to be there but me and your sorry ass. Don't mean nothing anyhow. They're just giving these diplomas and awards away nowadays. On his way out of the kitchen, bottle in hand, he shoved the ladder against Raymond's chest. Raymond listens to his father's footsteps go heavy up the back stairs while he stood alone in the kitchen. When the footsteps became a whisper, he looked down at the ladder. It was printed on good stationery. The kind Baker High School only used for special occasions. Didn't matter, though. Raymond took the ladder and ripped it once, twice, three times, over and over again, until it was only shreds of paper. Then he walked to the tall kitchen wastebasket next to the gas stove and dropped the bits inside. Ray! He froze. From the sound of his father's voice, he knew he was at the top of the stairs. Give me that ladder so I'll remember to go to your graduation tonight. Raymond twisted his mouth at the foulness of the request, the absolute absurdity of it. He didn't answer. Instead, he turned and walked back inside his bedroom. He grabbed his house keys and headed outside. At the edge of the walkway, he heard his father shout, Ray! Raymond didn't turn around. He walked down the tree-lined sidewalk the way he learned to walk since kindergarten with his head down. He turned away from boarded windows of two of two empty, dilapidated buildings and told himself the neighborhood was just like his father, old, useless, unforgiving, and hard. A second-floor window back at the house went up. Malcolm stuck his head all the way out the window. Get your ass back here, he hollered down the street. 
Raymond sprang to his toes and started to run. His muscular arms and legs went back and forth through the cooling air like propellers, like they were devices he used to try to take off, leave the places in his life he wished had never been. It was what he was good at. All his running had earned him high honors in track and field. He was Ohio's top miler. He made Sports Illustrated four times since middle school. Ray! Yo, man, you better go back, Joey chuckled as Raymond slowed to a stop. Joey, a troubled 18-year-old neighbor who dropped out of school in the 10th grade, leaned against a Pontiac sunboard, sunbird, waxing his hood. If you don't get your old man's, if you don't, your old man's going to beat you good. Uh, Ray's cool Stanley, an equally troubled 21-year-old who pissed on high school and failed to get a diploma, a man who couldn't read beyond the third grade level said. He stood next to Joey. His hands were shoved to the bottoms of his pants pockets. And we know the brother can run. Damn, we all can run, Stanley laughed. Ray, remember the night we ran away from that Texaco station? Our wallets all fat? Joey laughed. He talked so loudly. Raymond worried he'd be overheard. Thought we agreed to let that go, Raymond said. He looked hard at Joey. Then he looked hard at Stanley, and the nine-month-old deal was resealed. Another secret for Raymond to keep. I'm just going to check in, do a quick check in, you guys. Not hearing anything from our special guest today. Uh, not sure what happened. So, again, keeping our special guests in prayer. Uh, it's 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, New York City time, but something may have happened. So, again, keep keep our special guests in prayer. Uh, but before I go on, one thing I do want to say to you guys, again, keeping people in prayer, when you set uh, agreements to do something, I, what I find, I've been thir- going on 14 years here with Off the Shelf. People are very excited to schedule interviews, but sometimes they, most of the time they will follow through. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're late and they may tell me that they forgot. Be as excited. Be as excited the day of the event that you're having. You see it with weddings. People are very excited when they say they're engaged, and then they get real nervous on the day of the event. Be as excited. And so the scriptures tell us to to think things over before we commit to something so you know the whole way through you really want to do it, and you're equally as excited when the event occurs. But I don't know why our special guest hasn't connected to the show yet, and it could be something happened in her life situation that I'm totally unaware of, but I lift her up in prayer. Lift her up in prayer. And I also have to give you, my guest, a great show, even when unexpected things happen. And I definitely will never, never, never give up. So back to Love Pour Over Me, which, again, I hope you go out and get a copy of. I hope you honor the fact that I'm continuing to go forward. And I hope that you also honor the fact that you're continuing to go forward and gift yourself with a copy of Love Pour Over Me. So what we were was, uh, thought we agreed to let that go, Raymond said, and we're in Chapter 1 of Love Pour Over Me, for those who may have just connected to the show. Thought we agreed to let that go, Raymond said. He looked hard at Joy, then he looked hard at Stanley, and the nine-month-old deal was resealed. Another secret for Raymond to keep. One glance back at his father's house and Raymond started running again. He ran past Grutter's, an old upholstery company, and Truder Albright, a small, worn convenience store, all the way to the Trotwood Recreation Center, six miles farther into the city. 
Houses were larger in Trotwood than they were in Dayton. Lawns filled with flowers that swayed in the wind. Neighborhoods were quieter, too. As a boy, when his father drove him through Trotwood on the way to the Salem Mall, Raymond told himself that this is where his parents and he would have moved to and lived had his mother not fallen in love with another man had she stayed. Raymond sat in the bleachers at the recreation center watching an intramural basketball game for well over half an hour until he felt certain Malcolm had, in a rare respite, drunk himself into a modicum of civility. When he turned over his wrist and saw that it was after 5 o'clock, he ran every step of the six miles back home. The living room was empty. Raymond heard a noise akin to the rise and fall of a buzzsaw. He frowned toward the stairs and mumbled, he's asleep. While he exited the living room and entered his bedroom, ESPN was still on. He went straight to his closet and pulled out his favorite pair of black nylon dress pants, a crisp white button-down shirt, and a tie. Fifteen minutes later, he was showered, dressed, and standing in front of his bedroom mirror. His father was drunk. That he knew. It always went this way, every night. Like a religious habit, he spent his childhood watching his father drink half a bottle of whiskey every evening after he arrived home from work. When he was a little boy, he'd sit across from Malcolm at the kitchen table, swinging his legs back and forth like a pendulum clock, watching Malcolm turn a new shiny glass bottle up until it reached empty. He always brought a toy in the kitchen with him then, a race car or a plastic airplane. He pushed the toy back and forth across the table and sing, boom, boom, but he never took his eyes off his father. It was a time gone like cement down into Raymond's psyche. But that was ten years ago. Since then, Raymond had gotten into a few fistfights and had gone on more than one stolen car joyride with neighborhood boys he hoped would take him in as a good friend, but who never did. He dodged cops when they knocked on the door last spring. He just returned home from school, mercy abounding. Malcolm was still at work. With their stiff blue caps squarely atop their heads, the cops questioned Raymond about the robbery at a nearby Texaco station, a wrong for Raymond, birthed out of a last-ditch effort to gain a neighborhood friend who now, but now a source of pain and regret. Raymond's academic and athletic reputations convinced the cops that he was innocent. His refusal to rat out Joey and Stanley kept them from going to prison for the third time in less than two years. Never mind that Joey and Stanley kicked his butt when he was a kid until he bore new bruises, ones not put there by Malcolm. Never mind that never mind that cops badgered him, pounding Malcolm's living room table and promising, Ray, if you tell us what part Joey and Stanley played in the heist, we'll make sure nothing happens to you and we'll go light on them. Raymond didn't tell. If not for him, Joey wouldn't be waxing his car right now, and Stanley wouldn't be standing around trying to find something interesting to do. Despite the run-in with the law and Malcolm's drunken rages, verbal assaults that burst forth into outright physical beatings when Raymond reached puberty, Malcolm had found a way. Raymond had found a way to stay alive. He had made it to seventeen. He was running a brush across the top of his head when the phone rang. Hello. Ray, Raymond Clark speaking. The man laughed. Big night for you. Raymond placed the brush atop his dresser. Who is this? You'll come to recognize my voice soon enough, the man jokes. Coach Carter! Coach Reginald Carter! Yes, wanted to call congratulate you on graduation tonight. Have a good time, son. Look forward to seeing you on campus in what, one, two weeks? Yeah, Raymond nodded. Soon. 
congratulations again, Ray. You deserve it. Heard you did better than good this year. Heard you did great. Thanks. Raymond opened his hand and watched the receiver fall gently against his cradle. A bird squawked outside his window, and he stared across his room at nothing in particular. He couldn't count the number of calls he received from college, track and field scouts over the last two years. He told his father about none of the calls. When Malcolm pushed and demanded, where are you going to school next year, boy? Raymond always told him what he knew he wanted to hear. He always looked right at his father and told him, Ohio State. With the phone dead and Coach Carter's voice gone, Raymond returned to the living room and sat on the sofa in silence. The front door was open. Through the screen door, warm summer air carried the scent of fried pork chops, chicken and hamburger from neighboring houses into the living room. Because Malcolm's kitchen table was bare and the refrigerator only held beer, wine coolers, a bowl of two-week-old broccoli, a pint of cottage cheese, and a celery stalk, Raymond served himself an evening meal through his nose. As if he could get full on the smell of food, he tilted his head back and inhaled in long, slow breaths. In the living room, the second hand on the battery-operated Ingram wall clock ticked and slipped forward, ticked and slipped forward. Soon Raymond had the phone in his hand again. Yo, Paul, he said to his high school track teammate, the one guy who gave him good athletic competition, someone he considered a real good friend. When are you leaving for the convention center? Five minutes. Man, you know we have to be there an hour before the ceremony starts. I'm running late as it is. He paused. You need a ride? Can you swing by and get me on your way? My my mom and dad are driving. I mean, man, please help me out. He sighed. Even though I got my license a year ago, you know my dad's not going to let me drive his Camaro. Your pops ain't coming? Yo, Paul, homie. Raymond begged. All right, all right. The Dayton Convention Center was packed. 400 students, their purple and white caps and gowns, making them the focal point of attention, filled the front of the main auditorium. A mass of parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins sat in the raised seats at the back of the room. The program started with a slew of speeches, enough to make the students wriggle in their seats. Over time, the evening began to take on an unwanted hue. A stale fatigue came into the air, started to make the graduation ceremony feel boring. Then a good thing happened. Principal Bernard Jones approached the microphone and everyone in the auditorium set up. And now, Principal Jones said, it's time to hand out the diplomas. Tears went up and drowned Principal Jones' voice like confetti that had been tossed toward the ceiling. It was a long time before the cheers came down. It was 8 o'clock. Raven told himself not to, but he turned partway and glanced over his shoulder. It was as if he'd suddenly been plagued with dementia because he forgot the years of abuse heaped upon him with Malcolm's callous hands. He wanted Malcolm to walk through the convention center doors sober and real proud-like. He wanted Malcolm to be glad to call him his son. And I'm going to pause for a minute here. Uh, thank you to those who still with us here on Off the Shelf on our February, February the 2nd show. I am not going to stop because I never, never, never give up. Just like uh, Winston Churchill, the quote I, I gave, shared with you at the start of the show, never, never give up. One day when you are enjoying your success and somebody asks you whether it, it was a, a couple of weeks, months, or years, and generally the, 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 the path to great success as Raymond finds out, it can take decades, decades of trying to work through something 
uh, when somebody asks you, well, what is your secret? How did you get here to the off-the-shelf listener? You can tell them, well, one thing for sure, even though you may not know all the hidden things that happened that got you to your success and help you uh, off-the-shelf listener fulfill your dream, but you could say, one thing for sure I know, I never, never, never gave up. And that that, that is one true ingredient in success. So I'm going to pause Still waiting on our guests, and at this point, maybe our guest is not going to show today. But um, I, I leave this this with you again: to never, never, never give up. To be as excited about something through the process of it, and when that final day arrives for for you to to to, to do something, to be equally as excited as you were when you said, "I I will." I do, I will, whether it's a, an engagement. Uh, the, the guest for today's show had wrote a book titled Fake Engagement, which in other other novels which we were going to discuss during today's show. So want to keep her in a positive light and want to continue to lift up uh, in prayer. I, I have no idea where, where today's uh, guest is, but I did reach out via email. But what I want to do now is I want to share with you some tips some marketing tips and marketing advice uh, for you as you promote your books. And it's not just things that I've heard, but these are marketing tips and promotion advice that have worked for me. And then I'm going to close with some more reading from Love for Over Me. And, again, I do encourage, encourage you to get a copy of Love for Over Me. You can you can do that right now. You can go right, click right now over to Amazon.com and just get a copy of Love for Over Me by Denise Turner. You can be reading that book in an hour, and it's over 300 pages. So it probably is a book that you can enjoy, if you're an avid book reader, at least two to three days, because some people can knock out a 200-page book in one day. So I would say at least two to three days. If you're somebody who likes to savor a book and take a while to get through the story, I would say give you this book for $3, you can be entertained for a whole week. So, again, for $3, you get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You go over to Amazon.com now. You get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. You could be entertained for $3. I think it's like $3.03 at Amazon for a whole week. I don't know where else you can go to get entertainment for a whole week. Uh, And good entertainment, good entertainment that will make you think, that can make you maybe make positive changes in your own relationships that can maybe give you signs of when you're in a relationship that might be difficult, but right, because um, um, Raymond and Brenda do not, their relationship is not abusive, so I'm not for domestic violence at all. But they do go through some hard things, not abuse, but they do go through some hard things. And we know Raymond's childhood, I just gave you a little glimpse. I don't go into a lot of detail on Love for Over Me, but what he suffered as a child. So he's carrying that. So you do get that. So while you get or ordering Love for Over Me by Denise Turney, even now you can get it in print or ebook. Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, ebookit.com, uh, Google Books. You can start enjoying it today and not delay that. I just wanted to share some mar- book marketing uh, promotion and book marketing tips with you. Again, not just ones I've heard about, but. I've I've been at this over 30 years, but things that have 
actually works. This is what I want to start with for you, particularly if you're an off-the-shelf listener who is also a writer or you want to write a book that's a dream, a passion of yours. I want to begin with this for you. Um, My first thing is if you never, never give up and you take at least three to five steps a day to market and promote your books, I don't know how you could not sell any books. You, I, I'm not saying you're going to sell thousands of books, but I, 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 it would be hard to not sell. The average self-published book now, there's so many books out. The latest stat I saw was 70 copies. I don't see how you could not do that, or at least 100, if you do, are doing three to five things a day. Or is There's so many books out here. How do you distinguish your book? You can distinguish it with the book cover. Uh, I, I'm not so sure how much uh, getting getting um, like getting another best selling like a New York Times best selling author to to plug your book to to give a good a comment about your book that you can include on the front or back cover. I'm not sure how much uh, leverage or traction that would get you. But definitely a good book cover. That's a good way to distinguish a book. But the best way is to just write a good book. Because if you write a good book, the word of mouth is going to start. And I still think that's the number one way to sell a book is the word of mouth starts. But you need enough of it. Like for a book to go nationally big, there has to be enough people talking about it in at least like 30 states. So some writers, what they'll do is they'll just target a region. They might say, okay, I live in the northeast, so I'm going to really target the northeast and create a buzz in the northeast, and their book sales will be really high there, but maybe their book sales out west are low until that word of mouth takes off. So some of family member lives in the northeast, they go visit somebody out west, or they're talking to them, and they're like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I read this book, and then they talk about the book. That's generally how it goes, but that can take a while. So you can focus on a region, and in that region, if it's someplace where you live, you just go to book festivals, book fairs, cultural events, uh, events like if it's a, a African-American or black American book, you go to maybe African-American events and go to those and take your books with them. You take speaking engagements in the region you really want to impact first. You go to speaking engagement engagements, community colleges. You check with them, see if you can teach a class. You sell your books at the end of the class. There are a lot of either not just book clubs, but a lot of cultural events looking for speakers, conventions, women's conferences. You speak there. You sell your books after the event. You just start building out a calendar of the of events you're going to go to in person. You line them up. Maybe you go somewhere every weekend, every other weekend, and you just get out there. You take your, your books. If your books are mainly in e-books, then take a sign-up sheet so people can sign up and subscribe to your newsletter. Uh, uh, if you have a radio show like here, like Off the Shelf, encourage them to sign up to that to that so they can keep in touch with you. Your newsletter, podcast, you might have something on YouTube or Vimeo. Those types of things you want to uh, you you can market. Just take a, a, a design a nice sheet. Canva is a good design. You might design it through PowerPoint or just use some images. Uh, some some copyright free images you can create right there in Word. 
uh, whether you use a Mac or you got Microsoft and create bring these sheets with you when you go to these events. So you don't necessarily need a print book, but I do encourage you to get a print book. If you don't have a print book and all your books are mainly e-books, you can show people when they shop, stop by your booth how to download the Amazon app onto their phone. You could have some... Or they could, you could have print out steps on how to download your Amazon app on your phone without taking for granted that everybody knows how to do that. So they can quickly download the app, get your book, boom. They don't need to go out and buy the, uh, like the Kindle or the Barnes and Noble, uh, the device, and still they can enjoy your book because you can get an ebook and enjoy it even in PDF. There are several different ways you can you can get it, and those apps are free. So you show somebody how to download the app, you go to these events, you say, I'm going to target a region instead of going all over the country. If you go to something away from the region, it's a major event, major event, like Book America, which is good for book uh, booksellers, like uh, bookstores and librarians. You're not probably going to sell a lot of individual books at Books America, but you can get the attention of some literary agents and some bookstore owners and some libraries at those events. But Book America is a place of giveaway, 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 just so you can get the word out about your books. So that brings me to the next tip I will share with you. Whether and this applies with books or not books, giveaways work just to spread the word. You want to start that buzz about your book. So to spread the word about your book. Now, major authors like J.K. Rowling and Nicholas Sparks and Toni Morrison, they, uh, they're probably not going to uh, Walter Mosley doing giveaways. They're household names, so there's no reason for them to do that. So there's, again, a reason to do it. You're not a household name. I'm not, I'm not a household name. I've been around a long time, so a lot of readers in certain circles definitely know Denise Turney, but nowhere near a household name. So you do giveaways to start to build traction so people can know about you and your name. Just make sure you wrote a really good book because if it's not a really good book and you people read it, I don't care if it's free or not, if it's not good, then the thing becomes don't buy a book by that person. They're not a very good writer. So you don't want that said. So number one, write a great book. That's the best thing you can do ever to market or promote a book is just to write a great book. And not a book you think is great, but have some people read it who, and I would encourage you to have people read it who give hard book reviews. They are hard on writers. They give very hard book reviews. And then if they give a mediocre book review on you, you know it's okay. And if they give a great book review, you might be on your way. So not people who just generally are nice, they don't want to hurt your feelings, they don't want you to get mad at them. We know how sensitive all people can be. So they'll tell you it's good even when they think, eh, it wasn't good. You want somebody who who has the skin and the courage to give a hard review. They don't care how you come back at them. And then if they say it's good, that's a that's a that's that's when you got something to work with. So that's a, write a great book, book cover. Uh, you can have that uniqueness there with your book cover, and then also again target a region. I encourage uh, you to not that you have to stick with you. you can go to the major major events in other parts of the country or other parts of the world, but you really want to saturate that region. And if it's close to where you live. You won't have to travel as far and spend as, invest as much money in your travel cost to go to these different festivals. You don't have to just stick to like the romance, or romance writers of America. They put on conferences 
Uh, they, you have mystery writers that put on conferences. But you can go to culture event, cultural events uh, as well, like Black History Month for African-American writer. You can go to a lot of different events. You could speak on certain topics and then sell your books at the end, the beginning or the end of the event. So these are just some ways to get out there. Also, I highly I, – blogging, if you're going to blog, this is what I would say, with blogging and with videos – uh, the kind you see, like a YouTube, et cetera. If you're going to do that, you have to come out the same with like off the shelf. You got to be there every week. You got to be there regularly. And a blog, either blogging every day or every week. I can tell you at my blog, and I don't work it as much as I used to, but when I used to do my blog for a while every day, my traffic spiked. I mean, I mean, hundreds of percent over when I would blog once a week or once a month. I'm telling you, it went way up, way up. And then I also featured other guests at my blog, Write Money, Inc., and then I have the Chisto African-American uh, Writers blog as well. But when I did it every day, my traffic went way up. So, again, if you're going to do the blog, if you're going to do the video, make sure that you stay excited about it the whole way through, not just excited with the ideal when the ideal pops into your mind, but you stay excited about it the whole way through because then you 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 attract more traffic. What I find what happens with book marketing and anything in life we're excited at the beginning we're excited when somebody says, "Will you marry me going back to the the book our author wrote fake engagement because I still want to give author some promo, uh, Dreisy, Fake Engagement, still encourage you to go out and get get her book. Um, but, you know, at the beginning when we get engaged, we're excited, or for those who have been, that somebody even just asked us, I, it may be like, oh, they a, a, a way for somebody we always criticize and judging that they judge you as good. So uh, and that feels good. So maybe you're excited about that, uh even if it's unconsciously, but at the beginning you get a new job and people are so excited to have a, their, their new job. You can see when people even transfer at the same company, they're so excited they're in a new place. So you're excited that you're at a new home or a new apartment or you're in a new city, and then years go by and that excitement wanes. It just drops off. Same thing with marriages, same thing with boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. How do you stay excited? all the way through. And I think the people who figure that out are the people who win. They're the people who really, really, really win. So it's more than just never, never, never give up. you got to stay excited about it. Stay excited about your life. Even as the ups and downs come, you say goodbye to people in your life. And how do you stay excited about your life? That's one thing at book marketing. Write a great book, unique cover, target uh a certain region that you're going to saturate and attend events and stay excited about your book marketing, even if it takes 60, 70 years. I kid you not, you have to find a way to stay excited. And one way to do that is to continue to, we're talking book marketing, book promotion, and then I'm going to close with a, a, some more reading from Love Pour Over Me. And I thank you, all of our loyal off-the-shelf listeners, but another way to stay excited other than doing like a show like Off the Shelf, we, I have these awesome listeners who tune in. And I'm telling you, I see the stats 
and it just it just is so rewarding the impacting people's lives who tune in to off the shelf. So you guys help keep me excited as well. But uh, another way for bookmarking, book promotion to stay excited is to keep writing new books. I'm working on two new novels now, and I hope, really, really want to have one of them out, A God is Glory, this year. And the first installment of a book, uh, it really deals with my son. He's like a superhero. My son transitioned December 3rd. 2017, and that's probably the hardest thing I will ever go through. But I, so I, I'm writing this story on him. It's like a superhero, kind of a comic, uh, but it's a book, and it'll be in different installments. But I want to have the first first installment out this year, and then God is Glory, which is set in Chicago in the 1940s. So keep writing, keep writing novels. That's one way to stay excited. Excited! I'm thinking about the author who wrote A Soldier's Story, which was a major hit, became a major motion picture, and I don't think he did. I never heard that he ever wrote anything else. So you keep writing to keep yourself excited about what you are doing. Another thing, again, if you're going to do videos, if you're going to blog, do it either once a day, and you could just set like a month aside, uh, or or you could set two days aside a, a month. And you could tape, you could actually tape like 30 different videos and over over two days, 15 a day. And if you put out once a week, that's 30 weeks. So you, you're more than halfway through the year. And so you could do that two, three times a year, then you're done with your videos and you just schedule them because on YouTube you can schedule the date you want them to be published at. Just make sure you change your outfits every now and then so <laughs> it looks fresh. It looks fresh unless unless your outfit, your sweatshirt has something with your book your book cover title on it. See, here's another book marketing promotion tip, and I hadn't even thought of this before because I have a YouTube channel which I encourage you to visit. But you can um, put your a shirt, a logo with your book covers on it on your shirt, and wear that on every single video that you do because you're trying to again get into the human consciousness, become that household name. And people just go out and buy your books. Giveaways is another way to help to build traction for you as a as a as a new author. Uh, newsletters they still work. I don't see them as much as I used to, which is why I think they still work. Now here's the thing with newsletters. Also, as a tip for you, with newsletters you can build your own mailing list. As people, you just put something on your website. Continue build and promote a website as well. That's another thing I. I encourage authors to do. Websites were really, really huge. Now people are more on social media. We don't know what's coming next. But I still think having a website is very valuable. I still think it's very valuable. You could put your blog there. You could put your social media links there. You could put your video links there. Um, You could put your podcast, like, off the shelf there, your newsletter, your upcoming events where you're going could be at your Website, that's what could be your go-to spot when people want to know when your new books are coming out or anything about you right there. Hook your website into Amazon.com, Author Central as well. Hook your blog into Amazon.com, Author Central. So when you post new blogs, they'll they'll come up on Amazon. Uh, you can stop into Amazon and Goodreads, post comments. There, let people know you're active there. They also is an option for you to do blogging at Goodreads as well. And I people come up and find me on Goodreads. 
and so many people. So I, I definitely encourage you to get over to Goodreads. But the thing about having your own newsletter is you get to build your own mailing list, as I was saying earlier, and you can do that through your website. What if they shut down uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, Google Plus is going away. Google Plus is going away, I think, in April of this year. So for people who really worked Google Plus and somebody had a lot of success with it, well, it's going away this year. So what if social medias did go away? What if something else replaced them? And we could say, oh, no, that would never happen. Well, I'm sure people say that about radio. Radio is still around, but not as big as it was. I'm sure people said that about uh, standard television. Now you got smart TVs, you got Netflix, you got Hulu, and there are people who don't even fool with regular TV. There are people who don't even have cable. So we can say, oh, no, that would never happen, but it might. So if you if when you have your own newsletter, you have your own mailing list. If they get rid of Facebook and Twitter and all them, all the people who are following you gone, cause you you don't get their info. You don't get their info. So that's another reason to have a newsletter and stay excited. Stay excited about your book marketing and your book promotion and your book career. Stay excited about it the whole way through. Reach out to book clubs and ask them if you can attend some of their events. And they get a lot of requests. So you, uh, maybe you give them free books, you send them a gift. Maybe you just ask them, when's your next book club meeting? And can I just stop by for five minutes and say hello? And then they can decide if they want to read your book later. But book clubs, uh, book festivals, and and their their book events you can find you can search for them on Google and find so many of them the Miami Book Fair, uh, Book TV you can keep up with things going on there. Uh, you could maybe even do a TED Talks depending on what your book is about. Don't say no. The other people do them, so you could do it as well. These are just some of the ways that you can get out and market and promote your books. But stay excited about it the whole way through. And and when you commit to things. Don't just be excited about the ideal that you you're gonna you could do something. Follow through with it and be excited about it the whole way through. That might be the key to success. In addition to never, never, never give up, no matter what happens to you. And I've had some tough things happen to me in my life. I mean, tough gut punching things. But not only never, never give up, but staying excited, staying joyful even through some of the hard, hard, hard things uh, that life gives you. Not that you shouldn't be sad when you feel that way, because goodness knows I've certainly felt that way, but stand excited about what it is you're doing. Uh, it could make the difference. It could make the difference between why you win and why you why you don't, and, and winning according to your terms. Maybe your terms winning as a writer is, I sold 10,000 copies of one of my books. And maybe it takes you 30 years to pull that off. Maybe you sell 100 copies, 100 copies, 1,000, 2,000. Maybe it takes you 30 years to get up to selling 10,000 copies of one of your books. But you have to st- never, never, never give up. Stay with it and stay excited about it to to, to do that, or you'll probably quit uh, to keep going. So I'm going to close out. we got a little over eight minutes left here on uh, Off the Shelf, and I want to thank each of you, every single one of you 
our loyal off-the-shelf listeners for tuning in. And I hope that you already went and clicked over and got a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney so you can start reading and enjoying the book today and this weekend. We know President's uh, our next holiday coming up here in the United States is President's Day. You could you could enjoy reading Love Pour Over Me or another one of my books is Portia or Long Walk Up. But my latest is Love Pour Over Me, and so I hope you already clicked over. Or I can wait while you click over to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble now and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. $3.00. And I, and I you you're hearing the reading. If you enjoy the reading of the book, if you're enjoying it, I mean I don't change into no sudden shift in my writing. But if you're enjoying the reading of it, you will enjoy love pour over me. So I encourage you to get a copy of it and bless yourself with it today. So we are going through here. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I'm trying to leave you with something to uh, to really hook you before I leave. Uh, you saw the you saw the graduation. What happened at the graduation? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to find something where I can really. You're like, oh my god. Um, okay, so I, here here I'm gonna. I'm going to just go in. I told you it's a murder mystery, and I'm on page 24 to show you just how quickly things are are happening here in Love Pour Over Me. So as the guy's blood stretched out, again, I've skipped from like page 4 to 24. As the guy's blood stretched out across the street in downtown Philly, rain poured out of the sky and pounded the city of Dayton. Rivers rose and puddles found their way over curbs and against the edges of houses as Malcolm, who's still living in Dayton, uh, Raven has moved to Philadelphia, you guys. So let, let me let me go back. Rivers rose and puddles found their way over curbs and against the edges of houses as Malcolm, with way too much liquor on his breath, shouted at the police in the Third Street station to help him find his son. It was Sunday and 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Roden House was quiet. Most of the guys were sleeping in after a hard night of partying. Morning, Raymond called out to Walter after he climbed down the seven flights of stairs and near the exit doors. What's happening? Walter shouted from his place behind the main desk. Y'all got to keep your eye on Walter. Careful to be warmer toward Raymond than he had been when they first met, not one to draw attention to himself. Nothing much, man, Raymond said. He didn't miss a step. Have a good one. Walter looked up from a recent issue of Ebony Magazine. You too, Ray. Take it easy. A second later, he raced outside after Raymond. What is it? Raymond asked after Walter grabbed him by the shoulder and turned him around. I almost forgot. thought I saw something about you in the news this morning. He searched Raymond's face. Were you supposed to go to Ohio State? Nah, Raymond shrugged. Where'd you hear that? His gaze shifted down. While Walter walked, watched him so hard the side of his face started to feel hot, he mentally retraced his steps. Finally, he nodded and told himself, everything's cool. I cleaned my room back home like a Navy recruit. Dad doesn't know I'm here. Walter's chatter broke up his concentration. Thought I heard you were missing, but he tapped Raymond's shoulder and laughed. I'm so tore up from partying earlier this morning, I don't really know what I heard. Raymond, I mean, Walter, you guys, Walter is a character. Whatever, man, Raymond chuckled nervously. All I know is the story about the story wasn't about me. I'm good. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. He nodded. Be cool. 
As soon as Raymond turned around, hot glare from the sun blinded him. He raised his hand and used it as a makeshift visor to ward off the sun's rays. Walter watched Raymond with his newly trimmed fade walk away from him. Remember those fades? Walter didn't trust anyone. He wasn't a fool. He figured at some point everyone would turn out to be just like him, sneaky and slick like dirty oil. Oblivious to Walter's growing curiosity for the next several hours, Raymond walked in and out of libraries, lecture halls, arts buildings, and athletic centers to become familiar with the campus. He also wondered if Walter really got information that he was supposed to be at Ohio State from the television. Ah, forget it, he finally said, after he tired of trying to figure out what Walter knew. He didn't want to pry further. He he was new around here, and he didn't want to draw any undue attention to himself. He ventured into the surrounding neighborhood in search of record shops, particularly those with hard-to-find old-school jazz cuts, songs by Duke Ellington, Charlie Parker, Norris Turney, Theo Monk, and Miles Davis. His search didn't lead him to good music. Instead, it led him to good food and drink, specifically a string of quaint coffee and pastry shops on University Avenue. A door away from one of the coffee shops, a trio of police cruisers sped down the street, the sirens blaring. Raymond didn't turn. Thanks to the rising violence in West Dayton, he'd seen his share of police cars. Mixed in with the noise from the police cruisers were vanilla, chocolate mint, hazelnut, cinnamon, and raspberry coffee scents. The scents hung heavy in the air. Aroma from the coffee blended and thickened and weakened the lingering scent of blood from last night's shooting until hardly a memory of the killing remained in the area. The early morning rain had even washed away much of the chalk that had outlined the dead man's body, but the rain could not rid of the desire to get even for a crime that connected rage, dirty money, a dangerous appetite for snooping, and celebrity. Raymond entered each coffee shop just so he could drink in the rich, sweet aroma. Coffee. It was the one thing Malcolm made for him. Thanks to Malcolm, Raymond had been drinking coffee since he was three years old. That first day in Philadelphia, Raymond ordered four cups of coffee. He drank the coffee as if with each swallow, he would gain the strength to navigate a new life on his own. The last cup of coffee was a mild hazelnut from Corner Flavor. And I'm going to see if our uh, guest has joined us. If so, let's see. Hello, this is Denise off the shelf. Is um, is this Dreisey? This is Dreisey. Hi, we were on for 11 o'clock today, mm-hmm. Eastern Standard Time. So the show is almost the show is almost over, actually. Did I, I just want to? Oh. I, I, yeah. Did um, we always start? Let me check the reminder as well. It always. I'm gonna check the reminder because we are almost finished. Eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I even put New York City time. Yeah, eleven a.m. Eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know if the show will continue. I don't know if we kept going, you and I. I don't mind doing that, but I I was uh, I, I filled in with a reading, and I sent you an email to dial in. I don't know if you saw it about three minutes after eleven, but off the shelf is always eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday mornings, and we've been on for about fourteen years. 
so it's the same time every day. I can see if the show will keep going and if our listeners will hang in there. Um, if the show keeps taping, I'm certainly willing to do some of the interview with you. Uh, so I'll just get kicked off with that. Uh, our special guest this morning is Jaisi, and Jaisi is a student. She's a dreamer, a friend, daughter, sister, and a writer. Books that Jaisi has often include Windows to My Soul, No Love, Just Sex, Engagement. And we're happy to have her with us here on Off the Shelf this morning. Uh, I'm going to just going to touch on a few questions, Jaisi. Uh, if you can let Off the Shelf listeners know, where you grew up, and what life was like for you growing up. Uh, good morning. Um, I I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. I've lived in Dallas for a few years, and then when my grandpa had died sick, we came back up to Houston. Um, growing up, like, I was I was always raised up in a, a close-knit family, so it was it was pretty fun, like, um, okay. And what inspired you to go after writing books, uh, Dreisy? Well, you know, it's crazy because when I was a little girl, I used to always, like, write little short stories or poems or songs. And then it's like when I got in high school, I was I was just telling the stories to my friends. And then they was like, oh, my goodness, you should, like, just, you know, write books. And then it kind of came to me. And then I just started writing like writing a story in Spanish class one day, and I let my friend read it, and she was like, she really liked it, and she thought I should continue writing. So that, that right there kind of gave me my push. Okay, okay. Can you describe Melissa for us? What's Melissa like? Melissa, uh, Melissa, she, she's very quiet. But, you know, as they say, it's the quiet ones you got to look out for. She's she's not a dangerous quiet. She's more of an like a surprising quiet. She she's willing to do anything and everything for her family. She's forgiving. She's a great friend. And at like the person who kind of inspired me to write to build my Melissa character was myself and my mother. Because like my mom, she's a she's a very strong woman and. Through everything she's been through and went through, she made sure that me and my sister was all right, and that that's where the strength came from for Melissa's character through my mom. Okay. Now, why and how does Melissa? How does she go from being quiet and shy to <coughs> excuse me to making a deal with August that they will only be in a relationship for sex? How does she make that shift? She was just tired of, you know, the same old things, just school, work, and then homework. She wanted to try something new, and August was August was like a, a dangerous idea, but it was exciting for her, too. So she wanted to go uh-huh. for a different change. That is a big change. That's a big, <laughs> that's a major shift. What drives Mr. August? What is he going after in life? He, he was just tired of the same type of girls, the girls that was out to him for his money, his name, and they just wanted to get fame off of him. He wanted somebody who would actually see him for him, and that was Melissa because she wasn't a materialistic girl. She preferred quality over quantity. She was uh, an arts and museum over 
of Fashion Week in New York type of girl. Okay. Now is Melissa now that she there's another guy in her life as well. So is she through with Mike in the sequel, or do they try to heat their relationship up again? Because this is a part of a, a, a series. So are she and Mike done? It is. Or is she are they gonna heat their relationship up again? No, they're completely done. Yeah. Okay, Mike, so Mike August is a man for Melissa. Ah. So August is the guy right now. So how did how did Bryant the the other like someone talking about some of the other men in Melissa's life? How did Bryant treat Melissa when they were together, and why does he want her back? Brian and Melissa, they have like you would say a childhood, you know, relationship. They were great friends in school because Melissa she had got separated from her sister, so she was living a different life compared to them. So she only had Brian at the time to like help protect her and watch out for her and everything. And it was going good, but then, you know, like some good things they must come to an end and Melissa she moves on but Brian he's not really yet and willing to let her go so he want her back but she doesn't feel the same way for him so he's trying to fight for her. Okay. And and I wanted to ask you will there be a third book in the sequel? There's been two books yeah, there will is there be a third book. Okay. There's a third book. Can you give I'm I'm working can you on give the fourth us a, one right now. Oh, can you give us a title of, of the first, second, and third book, and tell us which one, in which order uh, the books go. Okay. Um, the the main title of all of them is A New Love Um The first one is just the title by itself. For the second one, the subtitle is Love is War. And for the third one, the subtitle is No More Secrets. It goes in that order right there. Okay. Okay. What have What have readers been saying about no love, just sex. What have you been hearing from readers about the book? I've been having people telling me that I need to quickly come out the fourth one so they can see how it all ends. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, as as always, you'll have people who have negative comments to say, like some, they just don't. I've, I've had people tell me that I've had too many characters in a book. And I've had some people who were like, they don't like sequels. They prefer like books to be a standalone. But mm-hmm. to me, I feel like a book that has series, it kind of like builds a character, it builds momentum, and it it gives readers like anticipation of what's going to happen next. Like, what else could happen in this world? It's like small things you can you never thought that would have a big impact on people's lives really do. So that's now, why I feel when you like series are way better. When you do, because sometimes I've heard writers say yeah, the story is so involved that if I try to put it into one book, readers would probably feel like they had too much coming at them. So they, the, uh, some authors I've heard say I turned it into a series. For that reason, some authors do a series book because it's a good way to build up sales, to have somebody want to know what's going to happen next. So they, then, they, then they have to buy the next book. Then they have to buy the next book to find out what's going to happen. If some stories are so big, they might not be able to be told in in a uh, in one book. But I'm a member of a book club and I can tell you I've heard book clubs the member the members in the club I'm in say they don't mind a series book, but they want each book to be able to stand 
by itself. So if you read book one and you don't read any more, you can be walk away satisfied. If you if you get book two, you don't have to read book one, and you can still enjoy that book. Uh, are those are the books written like that, or do you leave it with a uh, an ending so the reader's like, oh, I gotta buy the next book because the ending was it was left unopened. I, I you know, and I agree with those writers. And for me, my books, they're um, yeah, they'll they'll leave you in anticipation because I like to do cliffhangers. And like with each story, with with each series, it's like one of the main characters, like their background story gets told. So it's it's like helping you better understand each character that I've created okay. and like where they come from and why they are the way that they are. Now, can you introduce us to Kevin and Dion and Fake Engagement? And that's a title. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, Kevin and Dion, they they were ch- their childhood like best friends. It's um, D, uh, Kevin is actually a twin of his sister and Karen, I believe, and like they all three of them grew up together. You know, Dion, she she's had a crush up on Kevin for quite some time, but. As they got older, she realized that the crush was is it was very childish. So she was trying to move on with her life, and you know she developed feelings towards the same sex. But her mother and her father they were very religious, and they didn't believe in that. So that's when Kevin had came to her about a fake engagement to help satisfy her parents so that they wouldn't look down on her. That's where that title, fake engagement, comes from. So Kevin and Dion, mm-hmm. are do are, do they really love each other? They they have love for each other because of their childhood. But I can say as the story goes on, they do develop a deeper love for each other. Ah, okay. Fake engagement. So when I heard the, heard the title, uh, doing research for today's show, I'm thinking. This is something about, and it does sound similar, like where you you get engaged to for another reason. It doesn't have anything to do with merits. You know, years ago in the 40s, they say some celebrities did that just to create a lot of um, media noise. You could say, oh, so-and-so, and they are engaged, and it's just to get the media buzz. You're not like it's not a real marriage. But then you could do that and end up falling in love with the person. As time goes on, so why is Dion torn between? And I think you gave the answer already. Kevin and her friend Maya. I think you already gave the 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 answer. So Dion is sound like she really loves Maya. How how does that relationship evolve now that Kevin's entered the picture? Um, you know, Maya. She didn't. She doesn't agree with the whole engagement with Kevin and Dion. She she absolutely hates it and she feels that Dion should stand up to her parents and let them know that she's in love with another female instead of trying to cater to their needs and like impress them with the fact that she's engaged to somebody that they actually grew uh, grew to love because they've known him since he was a young kid. Uh, and she feels that but- they they could really have happiness if she just tells the truth to everybody. So does Miss Maya, without giving a story away, 
well, well let, let me let me keep let me keep going. I'm, I can see where she could play a role uh, later in the story. So introduce us to Dion's uh, parents. Then are they real strict? Is Dion an only child, number one, and are her parents real strict? Or does she have a close, loving relationship with her parents? No, uh, Dion has an older brother, and her parents, they they are very strict. They're very old school, straight by the Bible, like the man is the head of the household type of relationship that they have, and they feel like their kids need to follow in the same step, but obviously they aren't. So there there are some disappointments here and there, but the greatest disappointment would be for them to know that their daughter is, Dating the same sex instead of just sticking to how it's supposed to be. Mhm. So what? Wh- um. Who were the only people who knew about the fake fake engagement? Is it just Dion and Kevin? Nobody else knows. Maya knows. And how did Maya find out? Did Maya? Does she knows it's a fake engagement, or does she really think Dion? You know, it really loves Kevin. She knows she knows it's fake um, because they all, all three of them, they came and they agreed to the terms. But she senses that Kevin is actually starting to really fall for Dion, and she's feeling that it's starting to develop for her too. So she, she's like trying to break it up without causing a big scene. I was going to ask you how did Miss Maya handle the fake engagement and, and and especially if she thinks they're gonna go forward with and get married, is she is she gonna show like her dark or ugly side to try to prevent it from happening, or is she gonna remain a friend? She's caught in between both. She wants to reveal uh, the truth, and then at the same time, she doesn't want to hurt Dion because she loves it too much. Uh, now, will there be another book? Uh, is this a book that did? There's another uh, sequel to the fake engagement. Yes, how long will we... sequel. Okay, so what's the title of the sequel? And how, how long? How old are? How old are Dion, Kevin, and Maya in the first book? And how long will, do you plan to follow them through the story? How I mean, like through their forties, their fifties. How long do you plan to follow them? And how long? How old are they? At, in the very first book. Okay, in the first one, you know, they're in college, so they're in, like, their early 20s. In the second one, they're, like, their mid to late 20s. And then I was just only going to do a three-book series for this one. So in the third one, they're just going to be in their early 30s, and it's going to end right there. Oh, early 30s. Okay. Um, and then also, we want to talk a little bit about Window to My Soul before we close. When did you start writing on Window to My Soul? And this is a different type of writing for our off-the-shelf listeners because this is poetry. When did you start writing, uh, working on Windows to My Soul? It's, it's funny because Windows to My Soul, the poems that I put in those books, those were like poems that I've been writing in middle school and in high school and then some throughout college. It was, it was just a mix and match of different periods of times in my life. And then I was like, I'm going to just go ahead and just share this because it's very different. And, like, the person who really uh, inspired me to write poems was my grandma and my mom. 
because my grandma, she um she used to write poems about my grandpa, and she actually won a contest in Las Vegas because of okay. poems that she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she's, she she has, like, a tablet that she used to write poems in. It's, it's just, like, a spontaneous thing for her to do. She she has a way with words, too. So you oh that's where you got it you, you, that's where you got your your writing your passion for writing from so you've been writing poetry since you were a child and uh, so or very young and I think all writing can be therapeutic so is there a theme to the poems included in Window to My Soul because some people their poetry will center on uh, I'm trying to think it could center on family some poems can center on uh, just uh, uh, an experience that people might go through? Are there any themes that you cover in Window to My Soul? Well, uh, Window to My Soul is is a variety of different ones. You know, um, I write based off of emotions. So my poems, some of them were like based off depression, happiness, anger, like my thoughts. And then I've, I've added like, like short sayings, like advice. If I were able to give advice to my younger self, what would I say mm. then? And, you know, advice to younger girls that probably are going through the same situation as me. And then, you know, um, a poems on confidence, like self-love, everything. Okay. Now at your Amazon page, you share that you want to write TV shows and movies. And have you to date, have you started writing on any television or movie scripts. I'm thinking of Rhonda's, um, oh, and I have a book by her, The Year of Yes, and she started writing TV series, and they just really took off. But have you written any TV shows and movies? I'm Right now I'm still working on a TV uh, script, and I'm working on a movie script. The TV script is called Wicked Ends. It's, it's based off of, like, witches. And um, the supernatural world and the movie script is called Egypt. It's, you know, based off of Africa and, like, you know, the kings and queens back in the days of B.C. and D.C. time in Egypt where they had the pyramids and all of that. It, it's just the, the setting in Egypt, it, it, like, really pulls me in and it makes me kind of want to tell a story about it. Okay. So that's where the title came from. Now, how so how what type of TV shows out now would you say these two shows would be similar to uh and I know like oh, oh, an author I started out with was Carl Weber and I was actually on I don't watch a lot of TV but I think it was BET and said the family matters by Carl Weber. I said, "Oh my goodness, Carl it's got a TV series out there, so maybe one day that would be you. But what's on TV now that somebody could say, you could say to somebody, oh, what the script I'm writing is kind of like this TV series? I really I really don't have one that I can say is going to be similar. Okay. Because so it's, it's, it's quite different. Okay. So it's very unique, very unique, something new on the scene for the tele- yeah. TV lovers, whether it comes on Netflix or, Netflix or Hulu or regular regular TV. When you're putting a book together, uh, Dreisy, what type of writing process do you follow? 
do you use outlines, character sketches, or are you somebody who just sits down and starts writing? I'm I'm old fashioned. I'm a pen and paper type of girl. Like I okay. The, I have like tablets and binders full with like stories. So you handwrite them. <clears throat> You handwrite out your story. Well, you know the good thing about that. Yeah. I guess unless you carry a tablet with you everywhere you go, you could start. You could work on your story anywhere as long as you had a pen and a, and a piece of paper. But when you when you're putting your like starting to develop your story, do you just see it in your mind's eye? Some people see a story like a movie and they can write it that way, or do you create outlines so you can say, "Oh, this is what's gonna happen in chapter one. This is gonna happen in chapter two. Or do you, do you do character sketches to develop your characters? How do you pull, like, actually create the story? I know you write it on with pen and paper, but how do you actually put develop your story? Um, I, I outline my chapters, and, like, before I do outline my chapters, it will always come to me, like, while I'm sleeping as a movie. I'll see it as a movie. And then I'm like, okay, I need to write this down because it'll continue to bother me until I I write something down that's like equivalent to what the dream is about. Wow, that's interesting. That it comes to you as a dream like that. That is really mm-hmm. interesting. So the story's coming from your subconscious. Uh, that, that is intriguing. What what three to four steps have you found to be effective at getting the word out? about your poems and your stories? I, you know, I go about asking, like, my family and friends, I ask them what type of book do they enjoy reading. And then I ask them, are they open-minded to reading anything that's, like, not in their comfort zone? And then if they tell me yes and I'll, I'll ask them if they can read what I wrote and if they enjoy it, then I'll, like, write a write a little small passage and then I'll post it online for the public and see how they react to it. And if I get, like, a lot of positive comments or likes and everything, then I'll continue on with their story because not, not everybody is going to, like, agree to the same genre that you write. But you have those that do, and then you have those who are open-minded to reading different things. That's true. Not everybody's going to. I remember when I started uh, writing, I said, my books are for everybody. And then as as I got it, you know, more and more into it, I realized that is a sign of somebody who's probably new to the to the writing, uh, or not, not going to say writing, but the book publishing uh, arena, because no book is for everybody. And like no magazine is for everybody, so you need to find who your target audience is, and then write to those people, and you got to find them so you can sell books to them. Where, who who are the people who most likely would buy this book? Now, where do these people hang out? That's where I need to be. I need to reach reach those people so I can sell these books. All that share with your your. You like to write television and your. Grandma, kudos to her for winning that poetry writing contest in Las Vegas. But your family, the the, the um, your mom, her strength you gained from to write the character of Melissa in your book. But all this in, in 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 all this come together. Can you tell us who are some of the writers who inspire you, uh, and what is it about their work that you appreciate the most? Oh man, there's a long list of them. 
Uh, first, the, the first person who really just got me hooked onto reading was Zane. I, I just love her boldness in writing about sexuality, um, interracial relationships. You know, she she's really not afraid to show her emotion on on paper. That's and that's like where that's what I grew to admire about her. I love Eric Jerome Dickey. Like he he's very descriptive in his writing. Um, Nikki Turner, she she's very street literature smart, and that's that's one thing I love about it too, because you know I grew around like rough areas in Houston as well, so I kind of know like the ins and outs of what she's writing about. Um, Paul Roberts, as we spoke on his name earlier, like he's a great author as well, and I enjoy reading all his books when I was in high school. Um, okay. Kiki Swenson, she she dedicates a like majority of her books to like teen issues so like at the time when I was reading her book I was still in high school so I kind of understood the drama and you know I, I could say it kind of helped me get through some parts of high school okay and Maya and, Angelou ah alright Maya Angelou and are you working on any new books um, Dreisian if so can you give us a glimpse into what you're working on we know you have sequels in the works but if you can give us a glimpse on what you're working on and when we can expect to see it on the market. Yes, I actually am working on three books at a time at the moment. Um, one of them is, is I haven't put a title to it yet, but it's it's an action drama slash thriller type of book that I'm writing. It's about okay. a girl. She she has a father who was like deep into like the the drug game and then you know he disowned her because she didn't want to follow his steps into the family business and she wanted to be an FBI agent so she did that and then one of her missions was to capture a man that she ended up falling in love with and she created a child with but she had to kill him in order for you know to save herself her job and him and it it's it's a lot that's going to go on with that book, and I'm I'm excited to write it and put it out there for people to read it. Okay, and then is that and then where's your, your and then that's one or you said you're working on three books. Yeah, that's one of them, and then another one is um, I haven't, I haven't put a title to none of them just yet. I don't really come up with the titles until after I'm done writing the books, that because it kind of helps me focus on the story better when I do it that okay. way. But for the second one, it's, um, it involves a girl and her childhood best friend. She was at her wedding. She was at her wedding day. And, you know, before she could walk down the aisle and say her ideas, he came into the room and he was he started to discuss with her, like, are you making the right decision with your life? And are you really happy with this guy? And then it's basically going to be like a flashback of their friendship, how they got into a relationship, and why they ended up breaking up, and their regrets about it. And, like, towards the end, like, somebody's going to die in that book. Mm. Kind of a mystery. Yeah. Okay, and then the third one, and then I want to ask you where people can get copies of your books, but if you could tell us about the third book you're working on. Yeah, the the third book is is a horror. It's a horror book. It's Ooh. basically about a girl. She she's going to um 
her her biological because she was adopted when she was young, and when her adoptive parents finally told her about her birth mother, she wanted to you know go back to her mother's hometown to see her and like get to know her and everything like that. But she didn't know that her birth mother was actually dead. So when she went to the town, like a whole bunch of things, just, strange things just started oh. happening. Yeah, so it's like a, a horror plus supernatural story. Oh my goodness, you crossed the gamut. You writing stories, mysteries, and horror stories, and romance. You just <laughs> spreading. You crossing the gamut. Where can off the shelf listeners get copies of your books? There, there. All of them are sold on Amazon. Okay, so and Amazon. At the is... moment, I yes, ma'am. Go ahead. You at the moment. Uh, yeah, I'm currently working upon rebuilding the new website, so that way they'll be able to purchase it straight from my website. But for now, they can all purchase it at, on Amazon. All they have to do is just type in Arthur Dreesy, and then they'll be able to pull like all my books will pull up. So, Arthur Dreesy, give us your website URL. It's not up yet, but once it's up, people can keep going over there until it, it comes up. Do you have a, a, a URL for your new website yet? Not yet because I'm trying to see if I can get my old URL back from the other okay. one. But for the time being, it'll it'll probably be Arthur Dreesy, but I'm not just sure at the moment. Okay. And then if you're on any social networks, if you could tell us the social networks that you're on. Yes, I'm on Instagram. Um, my Instagram name is Dreesy Official, D-R-I-C-E-Y-O-S-S-I-C-I-L-A. Um, I am on Twitter as well. It's uh, Dreesy. No, it's, it's Arthur Dreesy on Twitter as well. And Arthur Dreesy? That I use. Arthur Dreesy and uh, off-the-shelf listeners, that's D-R-I-C-E-Y. So Arthur Dreesy, want to thank her for being here with us on Off the Shelf. And she must be somewhere where it's central time because it's 1130 wherever she is. But here, I think central time is an hour behind. So we're Eastern Standard Time, so it's 12, going on 1230. So she, I asked her to dial in three minutes before the start of the show, and she did just that. But it's central time, what she did, so I appreciate and applaud her and honor her. She dialed in three minutes early on central time, and we're on Eastern Standard Time, so we want to thank her and honor her, and I encourage you to go out and get copies of Dreesy's books. And some of her books are Windows to My Soul as Poetry, No Love, Just Sex, and Fake Engagement. And she gave us some of the definition of the reasons for the title of Fake Engagement. Dion, Kevin, and Maya's story is there. Again, Windows to My Soul Poetry, No Love, Just Sex, and Fake Engagement. And she's working on three books, which she gave us a glimpse into now, and also looking to get her website up. But her books are available on Amazon.com, so we want to thank Dreesy for being here with us. She was on time, on central time. I'm telling you she was. So I have to tip my hat to her for that. But we are on Eastern Standard Time, so uh, EST time, Eastern Standard. So we, we're, our, um, we're our earlier than they are. 
So we want to thank her for being here with us. We want to thank all of our listeners. Please go out and support Dreesy. Support her on social media. Support her by buying her books. And please get a copy of Love for Over Me by Denise Turney. Remember, as we said at the start of the show, never, never, never give up. And stay excited. Stay excited about what you're doing all the way through because life has ups and downs. But just stay excited. If you never, never, never give up, if you're strategic, create, are open to changes. When you see something not working, try something different and stay excited throughout. You can come out victorious. So go. remember, as I always tell you, you're awesome. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time. Bye for now. Jesse, I'll send you, shoot you an email. Okay, thank you. Bye.